This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. We have an awesome human being on the podcast today. His name is Momo Rodriguez and he is an actor, comedian, producer, comedy writer. I actually saw him do stand-up in Venice in LA and I told him this, you'll hear me say this on the podcast, but I'd not been to too much, it was my first stand-up I'd been to here in LA and I spent a lot of the night being petrified of being kind of like picked on by a comedian And the moment Momo got onto stage, I was like, oh, I feel really safe. And he has this awesome ability to be both vulnerable and easy, really easy to connect with. But then he can hold the power of being on stage and, you know, where his audience, you know, having all eyes on him. And so it was, just a really, really awesome experience. I DM'd him on Insta after and I was like, yo, I love, loved your set. Uh, and I'm a massive Mayans MC fan and Sons of Anarchy fan. So anyone here that's watched Sons of Anarchy, Momo was on the Mayans MC show, which is on FX here in America. And his character, Steve, is wonderful. I don't want to give too much way about what happens to Steve, although we talk about it totally on this uh, pod. We talk a lot about behind the scenes of being on set and I had no idea that actual guns are used for weight to understand the weight of them, which was really fascinating. And they swap it out for like a rubber gun. There were so many things I learned, the the power of like stand up and, and coming from a place of truth and this this need to keep creating and and Momo talks about having to go all in. You'll be so, so inspired by his chat and, and he, how he actually made it. He literally snuck onto the Warner Brothers lot, snuck into George Lopez's, like, um, I'm guessing it's not like his screening area, but you know how when you go to a lot, he knew it was next door to ER and then he snuck on the stage into the um, the set and stage where George Lopez was filming his show, got caught, got in a lot of trouble and then got met George Lopez and he was like, okay, you can warm the crowd up and literally that's where it all began. And there is so much that we cover in this chat. We literally go definitely talk about comedy definitely we talk about drama and method acting and all these other skills which I you know I'm not a method actor and I don't think Momo was when he got onto the set of the Mayans MC as well but um, he said a lot of the other actors were and it just sounds so so fascinating we uh, also talk a lot about paranormal things and ghost hunting which is really exciting slash I was like I went to bed that night being so scared like Palo Santoing my house up and I was like I want just good energy in here it was giving me the lowdown of um you'll hear it of my house and where I live which is actually so exciting and now I really want to go ghost hunting with him so Momo when I'm back in LA can we please go ghost hunting together Righto, my friends, I have rabbited on enough. This human is 
absolutely amazing, super honest, super vulnerable, super just downright truthful and awesome. I hope you love this chat. I was blown away and I hope you are too. Bye. All right. I am so excited to have you here today. Momo Rodriguez. Okay. My first discovery of you was last two Thursdays ago. That was my first official in the flesh. Which was a random night. So was that unplanned? No, I was was performing at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach. Yeah. And then I met, I met, he's like, hey, come down and see my new show that I got going on here. I'm like, I don't have time. I'm, I'm still going to be on stage. Yeah. Just come down, come say hi. So I go, I show up and I see a parking lot. And I'm like, what am I, what am I getting myself into here? And he's like, just go up. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some new material. He's like, just go up. I go up and I think I just, I don't even know what I was talking about. I, I just chant, like chanted for like maybe like half an hour. You were awesome. So, oh, thank you. So I, my, my experience of, comedy in Australia has been we have a one-week comedy festival in Mm -hmm. Australia and they're big, like, huge theatre events, which I know you've done heaps of before. But it's not – I've never experienced, like, intimate stand-up. And this is a testament to you. So I went just because someone at my acting class was like, yo, come to this night in Venice. And I was like, great, why not? And for a lot of the night I was quite anxious. Like I was like, oh, if I get picked on, they're going to hear my Aussie accent. And (laughs) and like I don't know what it was, but when you got up, I felt totally safe in your presence and I thought, what was that? Like what made me as a viewer and an audience member? I mean, I could kind of tell you what I do. I'm My job is to be the common denominator in the room. And that's the best way I can explain it to you. I'm supposed to have a conversation with you and not perform to you. Yeah. Because if you are comfortable, I'm comfortable. I'm supposed to unload on you and make you feel you're superior to me. I'm not supposed to make, I mean, if you make fun of someone in the audience, that's just a comic that has no material. Oh, I love he's not, that. He's not a good writer. He has to write. I mean, I got hours of things I want to talk about, and this yeah. was my therapy. Uh, so so my thing with you felt like a combination of you were very comfortable being vulnerable. Yeah. You were speaking truth. Like it felt like it was everything you were saying was exactly, true yes. for you. But then there was a sense of like power within you that you were holding us safe, like the audience members. That's the key. That's you, how it felt. You want to make them feel like this is a safe zone. Yeah. But at the same time, if we're going to be raw, let me be raw and then come on a ride with me. Be raw with me. I'm not going to I'm not gonna totally just be perverted. If we're going to be perverted, be perverted with me. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I could tell by the mannerisms in the audience, the eye contact, yeah. the laughter, if I'm going too far or not far enough. So I've heard you say, so I have even skipped the intro, but- Comedian, writer, producer, yeah, actor. Yeah. Have I hit every? Have I hit everything? That's pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I've heard you describe stand up as a monologue with variables. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? I love. I mean, I think X is o- X is always the audience. You yeah. know, and even though you should never blame the audience or you know judge yourself, like I hate when a comic goes, they weren't feeling me. No, it's you. Just weren't funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all but my jokes worked last week. Yeah, what the art form is to figure out how this audience is going to adapt to those jokes. Yeah. How, to, how to make them laugh to what you think is funny. That's the art form. I mean, comedy is like 80% showmanship and 20% funny. 
Oh, I love that. And I've heard you describe yourself because you wear so many hats, like (laughs) the writing, dramatic acting, and I've heard you say, well, I'm an entertainer. Exactly. I'm I'm just, that's what I am. I entertain. I'm not going to see myself as a lead stand-up or a, I love to put on a show. And I have no, I mean, I've done some crazy stuff. Yeah. For the joke, for the audience. How, I mean, I don't like losing an audience. I'll make something happen on the spot just to kind of like, you're paying to go to a show. Yeah. You're, You're spending your money and then you're supposed to sit there and watch a guy that has to have the confidence to say, I'm funnier than you. So funny that you paid for me to make you laugh. You're paying for my words. Yeah. So yeah, you just suck when you show up. You got to bring it. And you know, a lot of comments like, no, it's about me. It's, yeah, you know, I mean, how uncensored are we in this podcast? Oh, go for gold. Okay, because you can, you can I, swear as much. I, I told someone this the other day. It's like, oh, well, they weren't feeling me. Like, listen, if you're doing comedy for yourself, go do stand up in the mirror and jack off while you do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's for you. Yeah. This is not for you. You're supposed to, I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, you know what? I could, I was going to commit suicide at night and your perspective changed me. I've had people who are like about to die and say, I wanted to see you one last time. You know, that for me is like, wow. What I say tonight is somebody, maybe my last show or their last show. Make it worth it. I mean, when you put yourself out there um, and people listen to you. That's a beautiful gift. I mean, how many people, do, I mean, one of the biggest issues we have in relationships is that, we, oh, he wasn't listening to me enough. She wasn't hearing my feelings. Mm. We want to be listened to. I, had, I think um, there's a famous Oprah quote, and she said, anybody, anybody that I've ever, in, ever, ever interviewed, they just want to be heard. Exactly. Oh, I love it. There are so many questions I could ask you and so many different <laughs> routes we can go down. I heard you talk about when you figured out that you wanted to be in comedy. It was 1993. That you're at home with your family. The drive-by years. Yeah. So the early 90s in LA were like, um, the, it was like a jungle because it was during the, the the street gangs over here. They were all at war. Yeah. So uh, a year later, after 93, the Mexican mafia came in and they united them and they gave them a 13 which is symbolizes the 13 members of the Mexican mafia. Oh. So that's why a lot of gangs here have blah, 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 13, blah, 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 13. Got it. You know? So before that, there was no 13. It was just all out war. And, you know, you were asked where you're from. You, you know, they don't, you don't give the right color or the right, you know, name. Then you get shot at. Mm. It was just what they did. I mean, I, man, so that year was during the, the big drive-bys. So they would just come and spray people's houses with bullets. So For we, reason? Like is just to, you know. Send add, a message. Yeah, send a message like, hey, man, we live on the border of the two gangs. Uh, so I guess some guy was passing by our house and they sprayed him and our windows were shot up. And we had a drill. You hear gunshots, you, you go to the floor and you go to the bathtub. And my dad would go to the front door, block it. My mom would be halfway to give us messages. And I, one day it was so much gunfire that after it was all over, we met with my parents in the, in, in the kitchen and my mom's just crying, just like letting it out. My dad's even, my dad's crying. When you see your dad cry, it's weird. There's a guy who protects you and now he's like fall, fell apart. I didn't know what to do or say. I saw the refrigerator was shot. 
So I kneeled on the refrigerator and said, no, why not me? <laughs> like I tried to make a joke out of yeah. it. And my mom starts laughing. My dad's laughing. I'm like, I just took a negative in our house into a positive. Yeah. Like there's glass everywhere. There's bullet, there's shells everywhere outside and they're laughing. Yeah. So that was my, like, okay, cool. I found a way to deflect yeah. the neighborhood and I use that for the gangs. Cause I mean, I was asked to be, when you're a certain age, they, they come to your house and say, Hey, um, this is your house. You got to protect it. Yeah. So you have to do something for the gang. Oh. If you want your house protected. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I got to go to the meeting. So you go to the meeting. We're all like 13, 15, and they call us the peewees. So in the peewees of the gang, you have to figure out a way to make money for the, the gang. Mm. And we had a week to come up with an idea. So I went in there like, yeah. you know, <laughs> driven, determined. Yeah. I had like almost like a PowerPoint set up. I was like, <laughs> so good. I was like, I have an idea. We, and like, okay, what's your, what's your guys' ideas? And I was like, I want to go first. I, I'm pitching something great. Listen, all of our moms know how to cook. Yeah. They can bake. Yeah. How about we do a big sale? Yeah. And the gangsters just looked at me like, you know what, man? Just go home. Yeah. And I'm like, and I was so mad because I'm like, I'm over here doing research. Yeah. For you guys. I'm over trying to figure this shit out. Yeah. And you don't want my ideas? I went home that day like mad. I was like, what's wrong? Ah, the gangs don't want to be in the gang. They kicked me out of the gang. And she's like, what? Yeah, I joined the gang. Like, well, how can you do that? I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to help us out and you're yeah. mad at me. Yeah. Like, I'm over here trying to protect the house and you're mad at me for joining the gang. Like, you know, you're welcome. Yeah. So the next day I go back to the meeting like, hey, my mom says I can't be in the gang. And they're like, you know, Momo, you're, you're good. Don't worry about it. <sighs> ah. So they, and then I'm like, why, why? I want to be, I want to help. And like, the main dude, the main killer goes, you have other plans. It's like, you're not, you're not like these dudes. You're not a follower. You got bigger plans. What insight to be able to say that? Yeah, How I mean, old would have you been then? I think I was like 15, no, 13. Yeah. And I was, and I was, but I was mad. At, and everyone called me like, oh, the gang doesn't want you. I felt so, because that's all you know in those days. Yeah. We, we don't know what, we never knew what was outside of our neighborhood. Yeah. We just so. knew that cops hated us, that, you know, brown people get no respect. And if you get in the wrong neighborhood at a certain time, you get shot at. That was what we knew. So me, since I wasn't in the gang, my mom and dad, which barely spoke English, put me in this after school program and I started reading Shakespeare at like 15. So cool. Random Chicano kid, Mexican kid, reading, you know, Shakespeare, memorizing the soliloquy for, you know, just for the, for the fuck of it, just to know it. And man, that opened up so many other avenues. I started researching, uh, writers and Latino, you know, playwrights. Yeah. And I started reading how much they, you know, were in the actual industry and yeah. how sometimes they weren't enough. I would take the bus to Hollywood from the hood to Hollywood to go to a bookstore here, uh, Samuel French, yeah, which was where every writer or, yeah. or actress got monologue books and script books, you know, it was before the internet. Yeah. And I would just buy a bunch of them trying to memorize these monologues. And I realized none of the monologues were for Latinos. Got it. So I would write them and sell them to the kids at school when they had to do monologue, monologue presentations. So ah. I would create these random monologues, put a fake name on there because ah. no student work was, was, that's where my writing started. I started creating these new characters, these new people. I mean, it was, it was crazy. It, it was not normal for a Latino kid to be doing this mm. stuff, but I mean, I wasn't a normal Latino kid. I mean, uh. the idea. 
you know. I love. I, I thank you so much for sharing all this. I said to you before we started, like Australia, like guns don't exist in Australia. It's illegal to have a firearm. Which is beautiful, in Australia. by the way. It is, but it's such a different way to have yeah. grown up. Like you can. You can walk out, like even here. We're in beautiful Los Feliz yeah. right now, and my car battery got stolen out the front of my house yeah, a few yeah, nights yeah. ago. You know, like um, in Australia, that just you can walk home barefoot if you want at yeah. any time of the night. It doesn't matter. So it's like it's it is. And I, someone said to me, "What's the difference?" I was like, "It's a culture shock just being in LA alone." Yeah, no, it is. It's. I mean, but sharing your childhood is. Thank you so much no for problem. sharing that. Um, I've heard you describe comedy as tragedy plus time. I think it was a few comics that I learned that from. They always said, you know, it's it's tragedy plus time. I mean, you fall you you fall right now on the floor and you're like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, that's great. And the next day, remember when you fell yesterday? That shit was hilarious. Yeah. It's plus time. Yeah. I mean, all of comedy is tragedy. It's. I think Charlie Chaplin was the one that said, if you put the camera in a certain position, you could differentiate tragedy from the comedy of it. Oh, it's true. I love. Oh. Like I said, I could talk to you all day long about this. I do have to ask about the moment you chose to snuck into, um, sneak into oh Warner Brothers. Oh my gosh, that was. <laughs> so I was already like that. This is impressive, by the way. Thank you. That was that was just one of those nights where I mean, days it was like, I want to be George Lopez. I want to meet the guy, because the first Latino comic to really make spark was Paul Rodriguez mm-hmm. back in the eighties, and then George followed with the strong just attitude and just I always see it like Paul Rodriguez was my Bill Cosby yeah and George Lopez was my Richard Pryor yeah so I was more attracted to the Richard Pryor and to George since George idolized Richard Pryor too and you know I was a fan of his TV show I gotta meet this guy and I did research for like about a few months I was a seat filler for a lot of studio audiences so I knew how to get into the studio (laughs) and then one day I just Stayed in a bathroom stall for like six hours. Yeah. <laughs> and waited till like the next group came in and I I was free to run the lot, the Warner Brothers lot. And I remember, like, how did you get to George Lopez's lot? And I remember that they, someone told me in an interview one time that it was next to the ER set. No. So I'm going around looking for people in like scrubs yeah. and like, okay, that's the soundstage for ER. Yeah. <laughs> next door might be the George Lopez one. Snuck in there, got in trouble, almost got arrested. Uh, ended up performing for George at in front of a studio audience. That day, that right? That day. And then uh, we've been friends ever since. I mean, you know, I, I've uh, worked on some projects with them. And yeah. I'm still working on projects with them. I produced his uh, comedy special. Yeah, on Netflix, yeah. On Netflix. I watched it out. last night. Now, I mean, I that's my, you know, my hero. But now it's like... It, it's becoming like I want to be up there. A hundred percent. I I listened to his podcast where he interviews you. Uh-huh. I told you before I'm a Virgo, so I go very yeah. <laughs> very extreme on the research. But he describes you as smart, dependable, the friend that's always there, and someone that will always give you advice. Wow. How nice is that? He, you know, he is a jerk and a sweetheart. <laughs> but like, because I, I mean. <laughs> He said so many bad things about me on that podcast too, but he is, he is, um, it's weird how it just, it's like one of those big brothers Yeah. that I won't get the compliments from him. I'll get what I did wrong. 
Yeah, but that's what you learn. That's what you learn. Like he's, I mean, this guy, I've learned so much and he's taken me on every tour he has. I've been all over the country with him. And to be on the plane with your hero on a private jet, you know, weekly, getting these nuggets of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then him introducing me to all the other kings of comedy. I was on that tour with Cedric Entertainer, T.L. Hughley, Eddie Griffin, and George. And, And I was on that tour. So I'm there with them every night hearing the stories, you don't talk when you're in that room. You just, I mean, I mean, look at Cedric. He's at the, the Emmys last night. Uh, I mean, these are guys that are now my my mentors and my uncles because of George. I love it. Uh, Edward James Olmos, another amazing actor uh, and just legend that is also now my mentor because of George. Uh, I mean, I'm just collecting all these yeah. people because this guy, George Lopez, has... Beautiful faith in me, and oh I want to just continue it and just do that to somebody else. I want, I really want to uh, pay it forward. Well, to be honest, when I asked you to go on this podcast, I yeah. was like, Oh, well, he's not going to know this random Aussie girl. Be like, Hey, can I interview my podcast? And you were like, Yeah, sure. So I'm like an Aussie freak. Yeah, <laughs> you guys don't know that is like I've always wanted to go. Mm. And I haven't been, but I have a lot of fans from over there that send me beautiful messages. Yeah. So when you said it, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, man, that's I've been wanting to go so bad. Are so any promoters out there that want to take me yeah. out there, that want to book me, I will just go for the trip. Do it. Just like, wait till our borders are open. We're completely oh, locked down right now. It's crazy. It's it's I can imagine. I'm I'm but I'm like like all the other comics that have been out there, they always yeah. think about great things about it. Yeah, because I think we were saying this before, Aussies are quite laid back yeah. and chill. And so I like every time I've been to comedy, there hasn't been like heckling. It's more just been like chilled back, yeah, almost yeah. too chill, maybe. You know, you might. Yeah. But- we get a lot of heckling here in LA. Oh, yeah. Well, because LA is where all the comics come to be comics. Yeah. And since I'm born and raised in LA, yeah. I learned how to be a comic here. Right so, in the Mecca. Right in the Mecca. So you learn how to do all the shitty shows, you know, parking yeah. lots. Well, that's where, which, where yeah, I saw it. That's where you saw me. <laughs> But then the next day you're doing like a 2,000-seater. Yeah. And that's when it's easy. But as a comic, you write in the parking lots. Yeah. That's where you – because I wasn't even talking about material. I was just talking to you guys. Do you know – and to come back to this feeling where you made me as your – one of your audience members feel really safe, every – and so many people have gone up, but I had – like I said to you, I had this feeling like in my mind I was like, oh, I hope no one picks me to talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you asked me something and I felt completely comfortable to answer. And it was so funny. You were asking people their favorite Disney princess. And it was mentalism. Yeah. Because I made you answer the the, the right way I wanted to answer. Really? What was your princess? Was it Cinderella? I said Cinderella. Cinderella, okay. Yeah. I planted that in you. No. Because Cinderella is always going to be the first one they're going to say. Yeah. Because when you think about the prince, you think about the castle. Yeah. You think about Cinderella. Yeah. It's always Cinderella. So that's my downbeat. Really? Yeah. So it's a little bit of mentalism. Oh, I love that. I had no idea. Yeah. I got played in a yeah, good way. Yeah, you got played in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, that's how. Can you say what you said when I said Cinderella? I said you tend to be the slave in most of your relationships. <laughs> yeah. And then someone said, what did someone, there were some good ones. I loved, I loved, um, did someone say Rapunzel? Rapunzel said you're dirty like to get your hair pulled. Yeah. <laughs> what were that? Some other ones. What was Snow White? Was Snow White. It? She likes gangsters because they're all named Sleepy, Dopey, Grumpy. <laughs> so and the Cholos. So good. Um, I have just a couple more questions mm-hmm. about comedy. Um, I heard you say on a podcast. I think that I think you're um 
doing gigs at the Laugh Factory, but you'd get the bus home. Yeah. And you got held at gunpoint, like 14 mugged times. 14 times. Yeah. So in five years, when you when you become a regular at the Laugh Factory, yeah. it's a big deal. Everybody That's wants on, on sunset. sunset. Yeah. Once you become a regular there, you 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 you're now a Hollywood regular. Got it. You don't want to lose that. Yeah. So they have a club in Long Beach too. Yeah. So sometimes I'd get booked on both shows. Ah. So I would. I didn't have a car, so I would take the bus, and you drive through Compton, Watts, Inglewood. Yeah. You know, even my hood. I'm from Norwalk, which is in the same area. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a little crazy on the bus, but in five years I was mugged fourteen times. And you, I, I heard someone say, like, what were you mugged for? And you were like, seven dollars. Seven dollars. One time, I remember one time this guy mugged me 10 bucks. And the next day, I saw him with his daughter. He was buying her ice cream. I'm like, you know what? I bought that little bitch the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so mad. I was like, oh, wow. And they would see you and they would be like, what do you got for me, man? No. Yeah. And then, you know, you don't want to test them. I mean, I'm sure some of those guns were fake. Oh. You know, but when you feel like, a gun in the back of your head for seven dollars. You're like, take the seven dollars, man. Yeah. It's like it's not even. I don't even think he had bullets in it. A friend of mine. So Aussie. So again, the whole gun thing because yeah. we don't have them in Australia. A friend of mine was here, similar to me. Like, came come over to chase the American dream. Yeah. Successful TV presenter in Australia and was like, great. I want to do it for for E here. Yeah. I want to do you know. And she was walking to a meeting at the Grove, okay. right? And so she had a laptop in one hand, and she got held at gunpoint, um, gun in like in her abdomen in the yeah. middle of the day. Yeah. And she was like, "I handed everything over, laptop, pass." She's like, "I had my passport with me, everything." Yeah. And I was like, oh, "Middle of the day." That's how it is. Yeah. That's how it is. But I, I have you know, now, you know, you, you learn because you're on the on, on these shows with guns, and I grew up in a gun area. Yeah. I know how to use a gun. Yeah. I know how to take one apart. This sounds really weird. I want to learn that when I come back because yeah. I've got so much fear around them because I don't yeah. understand them. Well, me too. I will, that's That was why I learned. Yeah. So I have a lot of family. I have a lot of friends that are in law enforcement, a lot of sheriffs, a lot of cops in the family, as well as gangsters. So you kind of get an equal amount of which you yeah. to use, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I, you know, I know how to take apart an AR. I know how to take apart any gun. What's an AR? Automatic. The, automatic, the big rifles, the ones oh. that people can just build. Oh, crazy. So I know okay. how to take them apart. I mean, I know how to take them apart. And then when I'm on the show, when I was on the show, yeah. you learn how to use guns too. So you learn training, how to use gun Do training. Do they train you for the show? They train you for the show. They want to make sure you're doing it the right way. So I was like a gun expert. Now, I never thought I would say this, but I'm a gun owner. Yeah, because it was empowering to understand. It, you know, because now saw. I have a different respect for the gun. Yeah. It, it's not to, to just to like shoot people, but it's to give, you know, a, a sense of security. Like, look, I have protection and I've been in a situation I never want to use it mm. I never want to fire it at anybody I never want to that's the goal in buying the gun yeah. to never fire it yeah you know and now I, it's just peace of mind yeah and then I'm trying to get my concealed carry where you know they they allow you to wear because I've yeah. gotten threats just for being a comedian oh my goodness so I heard you say someone put a gun at, on you in the middle of a show I mean yeah it's it's been like you've seen people no. Do that, and I have a few friends that are, you know, they're 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 cops and they're with me. Yeah, I have security at shows. Yeah, but what if they're not there? You know. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm a Mayan, so I know how to use a gun. Can we talk about <laughs> yeah. Mayan MC, Let's talk about my it. friend? So, so when you went up on stage and the MC introduced yeah. you, I was like, I was hitting my friends. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> Mayan. So I am so. I lived for Sons of Anarchy. Me too, yeah. Lived for it. The soundtrack, the writing, yeah. the cast, like, 
cannot fault yes. it. And as so in Australia, the Minds MC came out on Netflix. So we got to see it nice. differently to but I hadn't seen your seat because you're the most recent yeah, season, yeah, yeah, correct? Yeah. Season three. So I got to, there are so many fan videos of you, by the way, on YouTube. <laughs> I got to deep dive and it was so much fun. First of all, you're awesome. Congratulations Thank you so much. on Steve, Thank your you. character. Uh, spoiler alert warning for people here oh, that yeah. are going to be watching. But we got to talk about it. We have to talk yeah, about it. Yeah. So. My question is, I, I heard you say, so your obviously your background is um, comedy. Comedy. You get this role. George Lopez buys you two, two acting teachers? He, yeah, acting coaches that he has. See, I, well, first, I was an acting, I was an actor's student. Yeah, you yeah. Uh, I studied acting and then um, I never was on a TV show that was a drama. I yeah. never was in a drama. Yeah. So I was nervous. I'm like, these guys know me from my comedy timing, but yeah. now I'm going to go really dramatic on this and show. And you've done a character sketch on a Mayan. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, well, see, that's funny. I got the job. That's how I got the job. I was making fun of Mayans. Yeah. I did a, I did a, a, um, a sketch where I making fun of how unrealistic they look from the real clubs. Yeah. And. It's on YouTube. You can see it's it on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. 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 And then it's called Bad Mayan Audition. <laughs> and I think uh, Elgin James saw yes, it. One of the writers. He saw it. He yeah. saw it and he was like, it reminded him of one of his friends. Yes. That was his name was also Steve. So he's like, oh, who do we can we get for this? And I think they wanted to get somebody else. I was mentioned, you know, they wanted a Momo Rodriguez type. Yeah. But never asked Momo Rodriguez because they, they thought you were funny. They thought I was yeah. funny, but not a dramatic actor. So my agent, she called my manager, she said, let's just make the tape. <gasps> made the tape. And then I think I called JD, uh, plays easy. Yeah. I'm like, JD, I just sent a tape. And JD is like, how'd you get this number? Like, like number one. Also, did you know you didn't? I know didn't know him. I knew him. We knew yeah. each other. Yeah. But we weren't like friends. Super close. Yeah. You know, we just knew of each other. And then, uh, but I did know Richard Cabral plays Coco. Yes. Him and I were friends. And the guy that I'm known for like 20 years is Emilio Rivera, El Padrino. Uh, yeah. So we're close, close. So I call them and I say, hey man, I just auditioned. Look at the tape. What do you think? And then Richie's like, I thought you already had the part. I'm like, no, no one's a pro. Me, was like, this is this should be you. And I called JD, the quarterback, the yeah. Mr. Mayan. I'm like, what do you think, JD? He's like, listen, man, if anyone's going to play it, it should be you. <gasps> but you know how the networks are. Yeah. Give it your best, and I'll, I look forward to seeing you there. Um, he's like, can I, can I have any insight? Yeah. Nobody give me any insight because these guys are real good at no spoilers. Yeah. Everything so, would be embargoed and you would have signed oh, heaps of. Yeah. They, they were so good at keeping it a secret. Yeah. So then I was like, you know what? Screw it myself. Send the tape in. I get a call back. And now I'm in a Zoom meeting with, you know, Elgin, the director, the network. I got the part. Elgin, you know, gave me the part. But now you have to wait for the network to approve you. Yeah. And that was the longest week of my life. Once I got the network approval, I, I, I thank the network uh, so much for giving me the opportunity. And man, my first day that I got on, I caught JD. I'm like, I'm in. And he's like, okay. He gives me like this hardcore pep talk. Oh. Then I get a call from every single Mayan. Yeah. All of them congratulating me, calling me a brother. Like we, we like bonded. And yeah. it's like, you're really, a, you really are a club. Yeah. And I think it was uh, um, Frankie Loyal that plays Hank, my sponsor on Mayans. Yeah. He's the one that called me and was every day calling me. We got to hang out. He wanted to really connect to you. 
So I've heard you say a lot of the actors there are method actors. I think all of them are. No. So, or the MC, at least. Wow. My first day. Oh, yeah. oh this story is incredible. Oh, my first day, they, they, I show up to set, and I'm just like the new guy. I was so nervous. I'm trying to get my, 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 make sure my costume, I call it my costume, because that's how raw I am. Yeah. And then once you put on the cut, yeah, it's like, wow. It felt just... Cause I'm in, just like a scene of extras that day. That was a scene we were shooting at. That was on the on the bridge where all the mines, all the clubs were there. Yeah. So you saw so many mine extras, mm -hmm. and a lot of the guys who were mine extras were like, "Hey, what's up? Momo made it to the. You made an extra. That's great, bro." So they're all celebrating with me like I'm one of the extras. Oh. And then I was like, "Yeah," and they would let me talk because they all had mine patches. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, you couldn't even make it to mine. You had to be a prospect." <laughs> and then. They're like, okay, Momo, some, I think wardrobe came. Momo, we left your chain in your trailer. And they're like, you have a trailer? Like, who are you playing? And they look at my patch. Santo Padre, you're, you're like the prospect. Yeah. I'm like, I know, motherfuckers. And <laughs> <laughs> you're like, go to my trailer. And I'm all excited. I come out. And I go, where's the rest of the guys at? Where's the yeah. rest of the, the club? And like, the MC's waiting for you behind that truck. I go, it's dark. There's a fire burning. But nothing is being filmed, nothing right? Nothing is being this filmed. Is just... This is all in the dark. No. And they're all in a circle. All their chairs are in a circle and mine's in the middle. Oh. And I'm like, and I'm walking over there with a coffee and a donut. It's like, you know, it's late at night. It's a night shoot. And I'm just cold. And I get by the heat and they're like, I sit down and they're like, nice of you to join us. And they're just like in. And Michael Irby, one of the guys I love so much, Bishop, gets up and just goes crazy on me. Does a speech, but doesn't acknowledge me. Like, this is a season we're about to start. There's a bunch of motherfuckers on that bridge. Like, he is in. Like, fully this in is character. fully yeah. Bishop. Yeah. And then I say something, he goes, Hank, you let your fucking prospect talk? Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, what do I do? They just, each of them went one by one on me. And I was, I'm like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to go in. I'm going to jump in. I jump right in. That whole day, I was sitting by their bikes. Yeah. I didn't go to lunch. I was a prospect to each and every one of them that night. Yeah. And it was just like, the, it's like it was a late shoot. I mean, late. Oh. I was, it was in. The following six months, it was a beautiful bonding moment with yeah. all of them. Each yeah. of them treated me like a brother. I mean, they cry with me. They they laugh with me. They joke with me. But it was always this mutual respect that we had. Mm. I think it was JD that said, this is not the JD Pardo show. This is the Mayans. You're a Mayan, Momo. Mm. This is your show. So you're like, you're like trying not to cry the whole time. Like, Thanks, man. Like, you just, you just feel bad. And then when you put on the cut. Oh, yeah. And everybody in the set, everybody in the crew knows that you're a Mayan. Oh. I know the actors know you're a Mayan. To be walking in formation with them was just oh yeah beautiful. I mean, even till now, like I, we're on that group text where we just send random shit to each other. Oh, I love it. You know, and and they go to my, a lot of my shows. I saw, and you've interviewed like you guys have done like pods and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. They you know Richie's always doing stupid shit, but like he'll <laughs> he'll he'll come to my shows. Emilio will come to my shows. Debbie Munoz. Uh. Debbie's an amazing uh, one of the amazing writers and producers of mine's. She's always at my shows. Uh. I mean. Uh, I can't, I mean, and you know the one, the number one crazy one is Michael Irby, Bishop. Mm. He lives the farthest from me and he goes to my house all the time. No. He goes, he's never, he never misses my birthday, never misses anything that I got going on. I mean, these guys are brothers. It's, it's so interesting hearing 
the experience of method acting because in Australia it's where I trained it's not taught. Mm. We learn a very British style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's completely it's the imagine the opposite like you script analysis yeah. is really hardcore um you play a beat action, but you know, like when you're offset, like yeah. your back is Momo or yeah. Lola. Whereas I've heard a lot of Australian actors say here, no, no, no. When we're on set, we're in accent. We don't break. We don't. And and a lot. I've heard a lot of actors say they don't even go to lunch sometimes if they want to stay in their trailer and yeah. be in that moment of that character with certain music. And so I completely get it. I have to say, like the scene where Steve dies is oh. so heartbreaking i was welling up i i think that day was so rough because uh. we all knew it was coming uh. and none of them wanted to acknowledge it um you knew from the beginning i knew from the beginning yeah. yeah so i knew i had to really play this arc the right way i knew i knew where i was going so i i i knew that in in my method which was crazy because i was so much in character yeah that i couldn't go home and forget about Steve. Yeah, because you while you were filming, you also lost your I mom. I lost my mom. So he was the reason that I didn't mourn and fall apart. Like I said, you know what, Momo needs to take a break. I'm going to focus on Steve. That way Momo yeah. doesn't mourn anymore. Yeah. So when I lost Steve, that was the hardest day for me because I had to lose Steve, the guy who was there for me during my loss. Oh. You know, because I, I didn't want to go to my family because then I would have to go to them as Momo. Um, it's so interesting here you sharing when you lost Steve and it being so emotional. Yeah. I, I really want to talk to you about that scene. But when um, in Sons Vanaki, when Opie dies. I was the Mexican Opie of mine. Right, yeah. And, and it's not done. The story's not done yet, by the way. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Look at the way I left Easy. Look at the way I left Hank. Yeah. Look at the way everybody is going to be affected by the uh-huh. loss of Scott. Oh. You know, definitely. I, you know, I, I'm I'm sure that it's going to affect people because I mean, this topic suicide is just, and it's beautiful the way these writers finally talked about it on a TV show. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I loved the most after I shot the show was all the clubs that have come up to me. Uh, all the outlaw clubs that have come up to me and have told me how much they've been moved by that scene because uh, they've all lost a brother like that. You know, is Steve coming back on the next season? I don't know. I, he, I mean, he's dead. <laughs> but yeah. but I'm pretty sure Steve will always be a mine and there will be a little piece of Steve throughout the show. And I think also the way Steve died, he gave himself up for the club. Like yeah. that came first for Steve, it feels like. It, I mean... Personally, for me, his death, I, Steve didn't want, I still say I, which is fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't want to get, he didn't want to become bishop. Yeah. Because he knew he was going to fail if he was to be bishop. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had to find a way out. He couldn't be easy because he didn't have easy's confidence and ability to drop things. Mm. You know, he couldn't be creeper and do whatever he can for somebody else, mm. you know, he couldn't be, you know, uh, Gilly, he couldn't be Taz. He couldn't be none of them. So what does he have left if all he had was the club? Uh, and that was pretty much, for me, like the best way to go out as Steve. You know, I don't think Steve would have survived an, a, another season of Mayans. I, he would have either got killed or he's too, he, doesn't, he wasn't thinking fast enough. As an actor, though, like how do you prepare for a scene where you literally 
kill yourself well, and commit suicide. And it was a very confronting to watch as well. Like they didn't miss a beat, the no, producers was, and the editors. Like we see the gun go into your mouth. We see your brains yeah. blot. Like it that is. Was, uh, and that, was, and that was a lot of camera work that day. That was, a, uh, that was like a 12-hour day. I was crying the whole time. Those were real tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can feel that. Those were all real tears. I was in a different mood. No one talked to me. In fact, I kind of felt so bad with some of the extras because they were trying to talk to me and I was like ignoring them. No, you got to honor the- I was in my zone. Yeah. Um, But so the guy who this is based on is close to the director. Yeah. So before I shot that scene, I actually went up to the director and I said, what do you want to say to me that you never got to say to me? And for me, seeing his reaction is what gave me Steve, you uh, know? And, I, and that's kind of like I was about to take it away from him. And, I, and, you know, that scene itself, I wanted to really find in my eyes a way out. Like, and that's what gave me the tears. My mom did help because I visualized her just cheering me on. Like, I visualized her, show these motherfuckers who you, who you from. Show them what you are capable of doing. Show them that comedy is tragedy. And when they came down to that scene, I mean, it's not easy because it was three guns. It was a fake gun. That's No, it was a real gun that we used. Oh, my God. The the, the weight of it. And then when you put it in your mouth, it's a plastic. No, it's a rubber gun. Yeah. And then when you turn it on, it's a plastic gun that has a light inside of it. And then you have to pick their head up, the reaction, and then fall down, which I bruised my ribs on the way down. Oh. After the fifth, I think the fifth take of doing that. Very confronting though to, to feel, to be doing that. And oh. if you're doing like method style acting as well. Yes. Like they say if your character, where I train at a school here called the Ivana Chubbik Studio, mm-hmm. which is not so much method but more substitution. So the way you were talking about your yeah. mum being there, you use people from your real life yes. to kind of fire you up and stoke whatever needs yeah. to be stoked for the scene. And I just think like... At my school, they say if you your character ever dies, a part of you, Momo, no, has to die yes. at the same time. And a part of you, and, and a part of you will, st- a part of him will stay with you always. Yeah. Because I've done some Steve shit lately. You know, I've done some Steve stuff, but I also miss Steve so much yeah. that whenever I see the rest of the guys, I kind of become Steve. Yeah. I think it was uh, Debbie Munoz, the writer and producer, told me she did my podcast. And she said that was the first time we really met mm. because the whole time she was talking to Steve. She goes, yeah. I've, she's like, I've never met this Momo. This Momo's crazy. I've met Steve this Momo. Yeah. It's, I was in my car every day before I got out the car. I had this mantra. Don't be funny. Don't be funny. Don't be funny. Because I'm a shit talker. Yeah, yeah. I am always ready to, to just snipe any <laughs> joke. I could flip any little joke you can come up with. That's my job. Yeah. I write for the Kings of Comedy. So I had to turn that off every time I got I got into my trailer, got in my trailer, which you, was hard. But you nailed it, my friend. Thank you. Like the second I started, the second that you said, uh, yes, this podcast, I was like, right, I get to soak up oh, nice. all this, all this right now. And every scene, like you can feel, you could almost feel Steve's fate from. Yeah. I think when he got, the, the line that was really funny for me was when he he kills that guy and he goes, is he going to be okay? That was so sincere when I said it yeah. because I was really like, yeah. the way these stuntmen, by the way, are amazing. 
the way they were working, it's like he was really on the floor dead. Like they really beat him up, you know? And I really, when I shot him, I saw him fall. And I'm like, did I really just shoot this guy? Because yeah. the gun in my hand is real. You know, the, the weight is real, you know? And there's a blooper in there. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a part where my pants fall down. I'm on yeah, the floor, yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. another part where I get on the motorcycle, and the gun goes all the way down my pants. Yeah, <laughs> so that was that was, uh, that was not method acting. That was that was cold steel between my butt cheeks. Yeah. That was, wow, it's it's actually it's so. Thank you for sharing so mm-hmm. much of the behind the scenes too, because there are some beautiful behind the scenes videos, especially from yeah, season yeah. three as well. Because you guys were shooting pandemic, post-pandemic, mid-pandemic. Yeah. We well. were that's what made us so close because we couldn't be around anybody else. Yeah. And, and there was no extras like there used to be. There was no big scenes because it was so compact. Disney did a great job keeping us safe. Yeah. They made sure we had protection at all times. Um, that we were checked almost every other day. Yeah. I mean, it was so safe. And if that's what made us feel so comfortable to become these characters, we weren't worried about the other stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that that's that was the hardest part. Like, okay, you got blood all over your face, but now we're going to cover it up with a mask. Yes. Yeah, I saw. You know? I've watched the behind the scenes and literally it's like you do your scene as soon as they call cut, mask yeah. on. And we had the most amazing, you know, first ADs. We had amazing makeup artists that were right in case you put your mask on. They, I mean, amazing. let me tell you, Mayan's production team, everybody in, in the crew is just – I got spoiled. This is my first big production, and it's gonna be hard to top this team. Like, well, this is my question for you. Like, I know there's pro- there'd be so many things that you're working on and yeah. in development with, but do you do you feel more draw- like is do you want to do both comedy and oh, drama? Yeah, I want to be both. You know, Robin Williams, John C. Riley, yeah. Tom Hanks. That's what I'm going for. We All have good a- choices there, we- my friend. Oh yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> we have enough clowns. We have enough. Serious actors take themselves too seriously. I want to be an entertainer. We go back to the same yeah, thing. I yeah. want to make sure I can create these characters with them. I'm writing so much. I'm developing my own shows yeah. and a bunch of other stuff that I can't even talk about, which that's the worst part of Hollywood. Yeah. Can't say shit. You know yeah. how to keep this Mayans thing for like eight months and not tell anybody. Yeah. For a Mexican person, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't tell any, yeah. I mean, nothing like. Some yeah. people were talking bad. Momo hasn't done shit. What's he working on? He's not even doing stand-up anymore. And I'm like, I'm on a big show on a big network. Fuck you. Like, no yeah. one knows. You Crazy. know? So there's a lot of things that I'm working on right now that are going to come out soon. Yeah. Can't talk about them. Definitely but. let me know and stay in For touch. Sure. I'd love to. I, you're unreal. I, I have to talk to you about oh. paranormal stuff. Yeah. So I was. So you've a, got a podcast. I, was, well. I have a podcast called Paragordo Activity. The reason it's called Paragordo is because... Two chubby guys, myself and my friend do it, and that's Spanish. Gordo is chubby. Really? So para gordo activity. <laughs> I love that's, it. And uh, we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years, but I've been a paranormal investigator for about 15 years. So this was all new to me until I was yeah. researching <laughs> you and I was and I'd seen a link on your Insta and I got so obsessed. I had no idea that you were like quite psychic as well. A little but bit. Sometimes I'll do some, I'll get these readings, I'll get I'm a little bit intuitive, but I'm a clear sense, I think that's what they call me. Yeah. But it, it's um this is it's really intense. But even also on the George Lopez podcast. Oh, yeah, and I you talk got, about it too. Oh, I was his like, house is really haunted. Really? His legit. house is like poltergeist. Oh. Like you'll be he'll be upstairs and he'll be like, there's something you hear people 
walking around. Oh. We Somebody went to go shoot something there, and they told me, hey, tell the lady in the kitchen to keep it down. I'm like, there's no lady in the kitchen. And the lady was like, well, I hear her in the headphones. I'm like, well, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I'll see you later. Oh, that's yeah. how it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, no, his house is, is, he lives a couple blocks from here, by the way. Yeah, well, he, I yeah, heard yeah. him say, Los Feliz. Yeah, yeah, he lives over here. And, and uh, his, I mean, what I experienced in, as a ghost hunter, though, that was, I don't do it anymore. Is I it talk, scary? It, it's not scary. It's just, it's just alarming to, when you see things and when you have attachments. Like one case, something was following me for a few months. Uh, I would wake up and there was like a dark shadow at the foot of my bed. No. I would have uh, sleep paralysis every night. Um, oh, was, that scares me. I've was, had that before. And that it was too me. much because I would hear voices. I would see people with during the sleep paralysis and we, I stopped doing it. My friend AJ, he's the, the yeah. amazing medium. He still does it. We're getting back together for this month. Uh, yeah. We're doing a live show in LA where we do comedy and paranormal readings. Oh, uh, I wish I was still here for it. Uh, I would be there. That's going to be a crazy one because we did yeah. it before and it, it was, I mean, it's going to be crazy. But this month for us, for the paranormal investigators is, is, you know, we all start getting feelings everywhere. Like you have, an, you have something in this house. Really? Yeah, you do. And it's in the hallways. Something no. in the hallway, yeah. Oh my goodness, that's making me so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so someone walked past. I was having my little coffee yeah. here, and someone walked past about a week ago, and she's like, "That house is haunted." As she was walking past my house, really, and I was like, "Bitch, why did I just hear that?" Yeah, someone, <laughs> but it's in the stairs. Oh, out there, out there. Okay, great. Okay, because when I was coming point. up here, I was like, "Okay." Oh, okay, good to know. Yeah, but not in. No, not in here. You have such a zen. Maybe that's why all this is here. Maybe. I could, something was some, this house was cleansed. It was feng shuied. Can you um, tell me what you taught me about the the sage? sage? No, the sage. Whenever people do sage cleanse, here's yeah. the thing: white sage, number one. Don't go for the rose petals. Make it look pretty. If it looks pretty, it's not. It's Legit. something you you got on Pinterest. It doesn't work. Or Spencer's. <laughs> Everybody buy sage at Spencer's. Get the sage, light it up clockwise around your house. Open all the windows and go to every single corner. Yeah. In the closets. Then after it's done, make sure the, the, it's on the Avalon shelf. Yes. Let it burn out in the middle of the house. And then when it's done, bury the sage. You have to bury the sage. Give it back to the earth. I love that. And we talked about Palo, uh, Palo Santo is my favorite. That's what I use. That's the one where you it's more for objects and people. Okay. That just cleanses negativity. Sage that. is like a, 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 like, a, like, a clean, like a cleaner. It's like bleach. If you have... You know, dirt everywhere. You bleach the dirt. It's gonna make the the, the you know the dirt clean rise. It up, yeah. But it's not gonna get rid of the dirt. You have to clean the dirt out of here. Got it. So when you burn sage, it actually amplifies the energy you have in the house. Oh my goodness. So if you have a ghost or paranormal activity, light sage up. More shit will happen that night unless you do a full cleanse and have it speak to it to go towards the light or or have someone professional do it and cleanse it. Oh my goodness! I could talk. To, you know, I could talk to you about this all day. I so I, my start was nutri. I'm a nutritionist. Uh -huh. That's my training, and I was taking all these like clients, and we would in student clinics. So before you graduate, yeah. your final year, they bring hips people in, and um, we were next to a mental asylum. So you'd mm. often get a lot of people that really? would just come in and want to chat, chit chat. And I remember I'd go to sleep and get this full blown sleep paralysis, feel like there was weight on my chest, yeah. and. My teacher said to me, she was like, you're getting energetically hooked. You're an impact. Yeah. And she made me, I had to burn frankincense. Yeah. yeah. The original the original gift 
of the wise men to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I had to do and a lot of like giving back to, and when I'd wake up with nightmares, I'd have to, and feeling weighed down, I'd have to be like, I love you, sending love, like. Yeah. But it fully was, I found it too much. I, I was really and scared. One thing you can do though is put water under your bed, like a glass of water, because that kind of like changes your oil, like, because water is a conductor. So if you have sleep paralysis, put water under your bed, it kind of cleanses you, like filters you out. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the random thing's a gangster from LA. No, I'm not a gangster. But no, I, I love but it. But I did grow up in that with a lot of the, the, you know, the witches in the neighborhood. Yeah. The Santeria people. I mean, that's all, it's part of the culture. My mom says she never was that type of lady, but there's things in the house like, wait a minute, she does do things that are and like Santeria stuff. Because you know? in Australia, we don't have it. Because I think the Mexican culture, right? Is it Day of the Dead? Yeah, yeah, Day of the Dead. Um, and All the beautiful Saints skulls. Day, and the skulls. And the reason we do this is because we want to scare the dead back to their graves because we feel that day the veil between our world and their world is so thin they can come back. So we dress as skulls to scare them back into their graves. I, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, final, final. Oh my goodness, <laughs> there are so many things. One thing that I have loved most about researching you is I feel like you're just like, you know what, I'm going to go after this dream. It's a hard dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, so many people would look up to you and be like, Momo's made it. Yeah. And I just love, so I made some notes. I felt like I was in a motivational speech. It was so good. <laughs> no, no, so good. Um, So with um comedy, you said your stories need to come from truth. And I think he, I went to another comedy show on the weekend and I think you can feel when it's not true. Yeah, no, of as course. As an audience member. Like an act. Yeah. Um, I love the way that you say you have to go all in and then you have to do what scares the fuck out of you. You do. You do. I mean, ghost hunting. You're right. I mean, acting, portraying something you're not, um, being the, the laugh, being the light in people's darkness has been the goal that my mom put in me. So for me to continue that, it's hard because there's so much darkness. Darkness overpowers light sometimes, you know? But, I mean, going to a dark room, the littlest light can give you some kind of a direction. Ah, and I think that's what we need to be. We need to be a little light for people, even if you live in darkness. Because, I, I mean, my life's not that great. I'm still a struggling actor, a struggling comedian. You know, I've, I've had a taste of it, but doesn't mean I'm all in because we all know how this is not, you don't get rich from this. Yeah. You know, you get rich later on when it becomes your project. Mm. You know, um, it's just a nonstop struggle to to fight darkness. I know it sounds very Star Wars-like. No, I love but it. But it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all just energy. And if we, you know, find a way to, you know, we, we create this fusion in us that can create this ongoing energy, we won't need other people to fight, to give us, you know, the coal in a way or, 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 or you know, the wood to keep us burning. Yeah. We are a self-sustaining fire. What the fuck am I talking oh, about? Oh no, right now? I love it. I love it. I love it. Are we doing it. shrooms right now? <laughs> no, I love it. My, yeah. Honestly, this is unreal. So, for anybody that's listening that is like, okay, I want to give this a crack, I want to try, might be stand up, it, it might be acting what? school. You're going to fall on your face. And if you don't fall on your face and you're doing it wrong, you have to bomb before you kill. It's just a rule. Yeah. You have to suck. You know, you, you have to feel what it's like to. To, to to you have to burn to feel that the fire is going to be bad for you. Like anything, 
You know, you, you, you have to prepare for everything. And, you know, if it scares you, do it. If you fall on your face and get back up and do it again. We all have the key to success. We just don't like to, you know, wiggle the key to open the lock. Oh, hey, that was a good one. I'm right that one down. That, that, was, a, that <laughs> was good. There's my audiogram. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Momo, you are such a legend. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. It's a total honor to have you on Thank this you. podcast. It's a, it's been a, it's been such a good time. Um, for all the Aussies, Aussies out there, please like find a promoter to get me out there when when things are better. I would love to go out there. Yeah, we'll do a show together out there. You know, MC it for me. Ah, oh. we'll go crazy out there. We'll do some go something out there because I do hear there's a lot of places to go go something up there. Really? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness! Sign me the, up. The history over there, sign the, me the up. everything. I mean, it goes. I mean, I think your um, ghost, like the paranormal comedy show, would fly in Australia. Oh, I mean, come out with AJ because it's, AJ. It's, oh yeah, AJ. He, I mean, he would, he would love to go anywhere. He look, this is real. Yeah, and, and if you don't think it's real, then you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell someone like you know, are ghosts are ghosts real? Do you believe in ghosts? A hundred percent. As soon as you said the hallway thing out yeah. in there. I was like, I know that I don't like going. I only go down there to yeah. let people in. I always go at the entrance that takes me out the back. Yeah. Where it's outside in nature and sun. Yeah. I don't like. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally feel it. But I'm just. I, I 100% know. believe you. My nan's, uh, my nan is a tarot card reader and taught me when I was like nice. 12 to read tarot cards. So I am like. So you get it. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, my friend. Yeah. I'm signed up. I just love it. Just avoid. For all the amateurs out there, just don't, you know, research before you go into it. Yeah. Because then you start making mistakes. And, yeah. You know, I'm not saying you're going to get possessed or there's going to be like a bunch of ghosts and murders. No. I mean, if you do it wrong, you're going to start being depressed. That's also a, a possession, depression. Yeah. You wow. know, being possessed, low energy. Yeah. Being lethargic around your house. That's possession. And oh. it can be from negative energy. Try this at home. Go buy some rice. Yeah. You know, cook some rice, put it in one container, label it negative, put a different container, label it positive. All your negativity that you have through the day, hold that rice where it says negative and just feed it the negativity. Then hold the positive one and give it the positive. Within two weeks, the negative rice will rot and the positive will not rot. Oh, I love it. That's Try it. Google it. It really does happen. I love it. One last thing about Los Feliz. There's a there's a really famous murder house here. Yeah. Did you know that? I did know about that house. It's actually for sale. No. Yes, and it was it was by a doctor, right? Yeah, and Topless yeah. family. Yep, and I think the daughter might have got away or something. Yep, it's right next to George Lopez's house, actually. Because I I'm too because I, I fly to Australia on Friday yeah. and the day before I leave, I'm gonna go do a, a walk past that house. I just gotta do it. Oh, I can get us in. No. Yeah, because they're doing walk. They're doing uh, what do you call it? Open houses. Can you, have you been in to feel? I the have energy? not yet. George wants to go. You have to he do like, it. He's like, let's go. Let's pretend I'm gonna buy it. I'm like, no, pretend. Probably you will pretend you're gonna buy it, but not me. He's like, but let's go. I'm like, I'll research it and find out because there is two houses around here that are haunted, that are really haunted, and there's one down the street from here too that's really, really bad. Really. And then there's always, I mean, there's a Roosevelt Hotel. Of course. There's the Chateau. Yeah. There's the comedy store, the Laugh Factory. These are all haunted places. La Laugh Factory was uh, was um, what's the guy's name? Um, the Marx Brothers. It was, no. it was their office. Oh wow! Because I've I've heard um, 
George Lopez say when I listened to your podcast with him, it was like most theatres are haunted. We've had some moments when we're on tour together that we were in the green room one time and we were just hanging out and, and the speaker flew yeah. across the room and we're like, okay, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen because we got jokes to write. Wow. And we just forget about it and we go on to it. Because if, if you focus on it, you're going to make it worse. Yeah. Okay. Don't record your, your house. Don't do EVPs, electric voice phenomenon. Don't record your voice. Don't set up cameras at nighttime. You're just calling it. Imagine you're in the dark for years and someone finally talks to you. You're going to want their attention now. Oh, my goodness, 100%. So what should someone do if they are, like, as I heard the, the beginning of George Lopez where it was like, I could hear someone yelling ma or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I've what, heard it too in his house. What what should someone do if they're like, okay, I think something's a bit funky, like when I go to my yeah. hallway or whatever, um, what should people do if they want to protect themselves and their energy? I think what you would, anybody would do is, number one, get some Palo Santo and Sage. Yeah. Mostly Palo Santo, go to every corner of the room, yeah. do the little ritual where you open up the windows. And yeah. as you're walking, you make your own little prayer up. Yeah. Say it to the air, hey, this is my house, please this is where I want to live. This is my space. You can go towards the light. You know, I live here now. If you want to stay here, just ignore me. I'll ignore you and we can live good together. And that's it. Yeah, I love that. Now, if it doesn't work, <laughs> then get the fuck out of there. Or, <laughs> or call somebody who's, you know, your spiritual advisor. Have them do it with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't move. Yeah. But then again, don't set up cameras and try to catch this guy. Because they'll love it. They'll love it. Yeah, just ignore it. Just say, you know, hey, George's house has stopped doing it. And you know, since we stopped paying attention to it, I told him, do not do anything, man. Don't don't fuck with it. Yeah. It's a fucking ghost. You think you're going to scare him when you call a lawyer or something? It's not going to leave. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you have no power over it. It's a ghost. Yeah. I'm like, what are you going to do? What are you going to call? No money can cure it or take it away. It's like it's attached to your house. Oh, wow. And if you go to someone's house and you try to fuck with them, they'll follow you to your house. Now it's your problem. Because I'd heard you'd researched all the previous owners of the house yeah. and you'd figured out, like you'd done some. Just some research. But wow. I think, and this is just my thing, I think it's attached to him. Yeah, I've, yeah, you said that. And he's like, no, no. I'm like, okay, well, fuck you then. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> More trying to help you out. I love that you're, like I said, I could talk to you about this yeah. all day, but I love that you're owning this part of yourself as well because I think you said initially, didn't you think, at the very beginning, like yeah. you thought it was bullshit, right? I did. I, I, you know, sometimes I still do and that helps because you want, you know, I'm a, I've always been a skeptic on everything. Yeah. But skepticism is is the key to knowledge. Yeah. You know, you, the more, like, no, that's not possible. Let me find out why it's possible. Yeah. When AJ and I do an investigation, the first thing we do is try to debunk it. That's uh. our goal. That's our first goal. Like, we got to figure this out. Let's check out. We, I mean, I, don't, I know about electrical wiring now and how I know about plumbing issues because I want to learn. I know yeah. about, you know, foundations or what kind of house is architecture because I want to know if it's the house or there's something in the house. One lady thought she was possessed and it was a raccoon in front of her. <laughs> The whole time. Like, lady, there's no, there's no ghost here. Or you get those crazy people that call you, yeah, what's wrong? Well, I think I'm possessed by 19 demons. And I'm like, bro, listen to me. You're not that great of a guy. <laughs> so why would a de why would 19 demons take over your body? Yeah. I mean, if you were like a politician or a man <laughs> of power, a maybe. celebrity, maybe, <laughs> but you're just a dude that works at fucking Target. 
And, and you know, you're not even a cashier. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And, and then you said 19 demons. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty, you know, like, you know, it spoke to me. I'm like, do you, I'm like, you, sometimes we are our own demons. Totally. And we, we create these things because we want to face reality. Oh, I'm so depressed lately. I think this, my house is haunted. Really? Maybe it's the fact that you haven't committed to a job in the past 10 years or, or you haven't even thought yeah. of, a, of a lifestyle change or, yeah. or you're, in a, you're in a toxic relationship, but you want to blame it on a ghost. You know, yeah. or maybe, you know, or maybe it's the guy you're with or the girl you're with. They're the ones that are your demon. I love that you're calling that out as well. So, well, I mean, it's so important. People put so many excuses nowadays for paranormal. Yeah. Like, yeah, that felt, I felt something's weird. I'm like, well, what's your problem? Maybe you're the problem. I think there's something about like you you feel it in your, like I call it like gut intuition yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. And you can, you kind of get that feeling and you're like, okay. Like yeah. with everything. No, and then people love to. They love yeah. to say they have a haunted house. Yeah, of course. Like, oh no, my house is haunted. I, like really, what's so haunted about? One time I heard like like somebody call my name. Do you know what else I think about this place now that I'm like thinking about it? There's always a coyote in my front garden. He just chills here. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? Well, that can mean two things. Really, it might mean that you have uh, a pest problem. Yeah, <laughs> and that is why you hear maybe people hear things. Yeah. At nighttime. Because there's a pest. Because there's, there's a, a bunch of animals or rats or yeah. something around here, and the coyote knows it. And it's food. And they're like, they think it's fucking ghosts. He's like, no, nah, motherfucker, my snack walking around your house. What's the second thing it could be? Uh, second thing that it could be is um, um, energy pulling. You're, in a, you're, you're kind of like in a fork in the road here. Yeah. And, you know, it, even when you're fishing, these are the doors to portals. Really? You know, when when things, you know, yeah. connect. Yeah. Closets. I mean, these are this is a this is a portal. Yeah. So even fish tend to always go on the edge of these things. Wow. You know, so I mean it's the animals are tied to it. Yeah. If this was a stream, the animal would be in the middle. So interesting. Because two ways are going, two yeah. paths. I mean, it's just little Oh my goodness. I sound like a weirdo. No, you sound this was absolutely all, this is all lies, by the yeah. way. Nobody <laughs> nobody uh Momo Rodriguez, I uh, cannot thank you enough. You are absolutely unreal and you have inspired me to just chase my dreams no matter oh, what just, and do the work. Just and do just, it. And if yeah. people tell you something, say, fuck you. Like straight look them in the eye and say, fuck you. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my sweat tastes like. Didn't someone tell you you can only be a writer yes, early on? Uh, I think it was, uh, her name is Fern Owenstein, <laughs> uh, CBS Casting director yeah. told me that uh, I don't have what it takes to be an actor. I don't have the looks to be on TV. I should stick to writing. That's crazy. But you know what? It was the best thing she would have told me because I wouldn't have tried. It fired you up. It fired me up. I wanted to prove her wrong. It took me 15 years to prove her wrong, but I did. And now I'm at a place where I want oh. to just create, give back, and tell people what my culture is about. We're not all gangsters. We're not all criminals. We're not all, you know, the the threat that's killing America, according to some people. We are just beautiful people that were here first. Mm. They kicked us out. Now we're back, and we're going back and forth. And we're here to stay because half of this country is named uh, in Spanish. So, Well, isn't Los Feliz a Spanish? Los Feliz, which means the happies. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. My friend, I cannot wait to watch your career continue Thank to you. flourish. You're unreal. Likewise, by the way. Oh, well, Any, anybody who wearing a Raider jersey yeah. right in front of me, 
is a badass, by the way. You're wearing the gangster colors. That's like. Really? So do you know what you just told me then about that CBS person? Right before I came here, I met with a publicist and she goes, what's your dream? And I was like, oh, like Steve Colbert or Jimmy, like I want to host yes. a TV show. And she spat her vino out and started laughing at me. But how cool for me to have that drive because oh. someone didn't believe in me. Look, anybody anybody can do anything. Yeah. But people with the balls to like attempt it. Yeah. Are the ones that are meant to do it. Definitely. There was a few comics that sucked the night I was there. I got there a little late and I saw a comedian up there and he was he or she, they were doing horrible on stage. Yeah, the night that Yeah, the yeah, night was it. Yeah. And then my friend was like, Oh man, I don't think they're man, they, they're horrible. I'm like, Yeah, they might be, but at least they have the balls to go up there yeah. and attempt to be that horrible in front of people. Yeah. You know, they might not be good right now, but I give you a year or two. They're going to get their style, you know. Right now, they're listening to the silence. And that silence haunts you when you get off stage. So they did great. Maybe not funny, but they did great because they had the balls to attempt something that us live were saying, they shouldn't be up there. They're not funny. So we do the same thing to people. No, but the experience that I had was the second that you got up, I felt, Safe. Thank you. And and I really mean that. So thank you. Oh, thank you for, for letting me feel that. And and sounds weird, you know, to hear that, especially for a guy, you know, to make, you know, females nowadays feel safe yeah. in comedy since yeah. we're like the biggest jerks there is. <laughs> no, I, 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 thank you. And can't wait. I'm, you've oh. got a massive Aussie fan here. Thank you so, so much. You're a legend. Thank you so much. And we're ready to party. Let's do this. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.